0: Hello, and welcome in to the second episode of Not Just Another Sports Podcast. It is Monday, June 14th, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Christian Ainsworth, and I am Price Carter. This podcast is brought to you by Arrowhead, Arrowhead Live. Um, we've got a number of topics that we're excited to talk to you about today. Um, we're going to get into a couple of hot-button issues with the Chiefs, including Le'Veon Bell, Mahomes possibly being on the Madden cover, We've got some of the bigger topics as well going on. We're talking about the vaccine and how it's impacting sports. We're also talking about um, some NBA topics. And to wrap things up, we're going to be playing a little this or that. Before we get going, Christian, what's up? How's it going for you?
1: Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, Hasn't been the most uh, news-filled week as far as sports go, but I'm super into talking about the topics we have this week. What about you, man? How you been? Uh,
0: I've been good you know this weekend I took a little bit of time off um went down my wife's family is from the Lake of the Ozarks area um sometimes it's good to go down there and just kind of play and pretend like I live the country life so it was good it was relaxing um you know ready to kind of just get through this next couple of weeks here and get to she's camp and hopefully get up to St. Joe and watch them
1: awesome dude uh so you want to get started get into this
0: yeah so you were talking about it being a slow news week and I mean I think whenever we are breaking down Instagram comments I'm pretty sure that is the pinnacle of a slow news week for sports but let's lead off with this the Chiefs signed Le'Veon Bell midway through the season um obviously the Jets cut him And it was a signing that was heralded by many Chiefs fans and people alike. It was the move that was just going to put this offense over the top to be insane. And then Le'Veon Bell comments on an Instagram post, not even related to the Chiefs or him in general, saying something along the lines of, I'd rather retire than play for Andy Reid again.
1: Your thoughts? Well, this isn't really that uh, out there of a thought. But I'd say if you're the one player that has anything to bat, anything bad to say about Andy Reid, uh, it's probably you and not him. Right. I mean, countless players, coaches in the league have worked with Andy, have uh, have, you know, been in a professional relationship with him. um, And I don't know of any other person to come out and say anything like that. Do you?
0: No, I mean, I can't really think of any. And obviously, we're in the age of player empowerment. So more people, more players are speaking out more than ever. So who knows? Maybe there are a bunch of players and they've just kept quiet. And, you know, Bell's the first one to express his opinion. Look, not everyone's going to be happy with the head coach, even though Andy Reid has a notorious reputation of being a player's coach. I'm sure there are some. My my thing, my question about this Le'Veon Bell drama isn't really about the move itself or Bell the player. My thing is just this. I don't understand where he's coming from in the sense that he didn't get an opportunity. If you remember in the Broncos game, the second Broncos game, the Chiefs hosted, they wore red on red. Clyde Edward Delayer had like a stomach bug or something. They gave in that game, they gave Bell almost every single running back carry. He had tons of opportunity and he did nothing with it. I mean, I think he, I'll look it up real quick, but I think that he just had virtually nothing for yards per carry. And it seemed like every single time I saw the chiefs trying to throw the ball to him, he struggled with that as well. I can think of several times that he didn't get his head around, didn't catch the ball from Mahomes. Um, I remember there was like a fade route that they threw him in the end zone. And he couldn't get his hands on. I mean, I, I guess my thing is, I just don't know what, what he has to complain about It, Do I think that he got the perfect opportunity? You know, no, of course not. But also he had to know that going in, he said he wanted to sign there to, to get a ring. That was like his big thing, whenever he talked about it and he came as close as any other team other than
1: the Buccaneers to getting a ring. Well, I think going along the same lines of that is he knew what he, I mean, you, you put it perfectly. He knew what he was walking into. We had just drafted and, uh, running back in the first round. Um, we also had a backfield that was, I mean, we were pretty happy with Clyde Edwards-Alaire and, and Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams is no slouch. He, he was coming in to fight for a position um, and to hopefully win a ring in the process. And I, I don't see how he can say it was opportunity when it's been his lack of production for the past four years. I mean, if he was still the same running back he was Uh, in the Steelers organization, he'd still be on the Jets. Like, this is not a question of of opportunity. The opportunity was there. He just failed to capitalize on it.
0: Yeah, and speaking of opportunity, that game against Denver, he had 11 attempts rushing for 40 yards, zero touchdowns. He was targeted three times. He caught two of the targets for a total of 15 yards. I mean, there's nothing in there that just screams – Give him the ball more. Now, I will say, I do think that they could have utilized him a little bit more. Um, there were games that he looked at times to be one of the hotter hands at running back, and then he magically was kind of work out. But also, Andy Reid always goes with a hot hand when it comes to running backs. That is nothing new. He got Lashawn McCoy before you know, you know, just like Lashawn McCoy did. I you know, I'm with you. I don't think that there's a whole lot that he has to complain about. And I don't think he's going to have to worry about retiring because I think the league is going to take care of it for him.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And man, I saw this stat somewhere. He, he has over 400, over 400 carries in his career. And, and once you start getting up there with with those carries, not 400 carries, I believe, no, that's not the stat. I was okay. My bad. Uh, We were, uh, I was thinking about the stat where he hasn't had a, rushing attempt or 20 yards per rush attempt that's not it either man I just don't know what to say right no, now <laughs> I think
0: I think what I think what you're saying is it's been over 400 attempts he's rushed over 400 attempts without 20 a 20 yard rush yes not that's it, that's it exactly yeah I remember that I remember that going around whenever the Chiefs acquired him and I mean last thing I'm going to say about it and then we can move on because Le'Veon Bell does not deserve this much of our time but People, I see people revisionist history. We do this a lot of times with sports takes the Le'Veon Bell signing was still a great signing for the chiefs. Did it work out? Was he phenomenal? Did he put the offense over the top? Not really. No, he had moments of good. He did score a couple of touchdowns. He, you know, could pass block, but it cost the chiefs virtually nothing. They didn't give a pickup for him. He was a like league, minimum player. Cause he was still getting paid from, from the jets it was a great signing. It just didn't work out. You know, I, I don't think that Chiefs fans have, other than being bitter about him talking bad about Andy Reid, I don't think Chiefs fans have anything to gripe about. The signing was fine. It just didn't work out. And you know what? They, they signed Jerick McKinnon this year, and it might be the Le'Veon Bell or the LaShawn McCoy saga continued, or, he, you know, McKinnon might stay healthy and be real good. I don't think there's uh, anything to really wring our hands over it, on that element of the signing itself. But Let's move on here. Um, so today, first off, Christian, are you a big video game guy?
1: Uh, I am. I uh, I have bought Madden for the past I don't know ten years. Ever since I was a a teenager, I've been been into the Madden franchise.
0: I agree. I'm a loyal Madden person as well, despite what it continues to do to us um, personally and emotionally. I wouldn't really consider myself a big video game guy in general. I pretty much only play sports video games like The Show um, and Madden. I don't you know, have a headset or Xbox Live, which no, no, uh, no grief if you are one of those people. I know so many friends who have a really good time with it. It's just one of the things that I've cut out as I've gotten older. There's only so much time in the day, and that's not one I have a lot of time for. But speaking of Madden, so... It's been suspected, and I think it doesn't take a detective to figure out that it appears the Madden release for the athlete who's going to be on the cover is very late this year. Now, a bunch of people have drawn conclusions to, or similarities, I should say, to the Antonio Brown cover that came out a couple years ago, where Brown was very disgruntled in Pittsburgh. He was talking about getting traded. Didn't end up getting traded that season. He got traded the following season. But the cover didn't come out until June. So I, I think it's pretty safe to say that most of us think it was going to be Aaron Rodgers that's going to be on the cover. Clearly that story is ever evolving. So today, Madden, the Madden like Twitter account, tweeted out a video of two goats um, and just made a reference to they did it again. They did two go- They did two this time. So Christian, um, can you tell me who you think the two people, the two goats on the Madden cover are going to be?
1: Well, I think it's pretty obvious, right? Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. I know a lot of people uh, aren't exactly thrilled with Mahomes being termed the uh, baby goat, but uh, I think it's an appropriate—I think it's an appropriate title. He's done so much in such a short career. um, I, I think he's deserving of it. What about you?
0: Well, here's my thing. I actually hate this for the Mahomes brand. Here's the reason why. When Mahomes drafted, he was, I mean, people called him a bust. He was going to be, you know, oh my gosh, the Chiefs, they, you know, his footwork is awful. It's, it's just a terrible draft pick. Obviously we don't need to dive into freezing cold takes to see that that was incorrect, but somehow Mahomes has gone from, you know, the third or fourth quarterback off the board in his draft by most draft analysts um, evaluation to now he's on the same tier as Tom Brady. And I don't really care for that because it's setting him up for something that he cannot achieve. It's it's honestly becoming a little bit LeBron MJ, and that's that's not fair at all to Mahomes. Look, if Mahomes wins another Super Bowl and another MVP, he will have like a top five percent career of NFL, or top one percent career career of NFL players and quarterbacks, surefire Hall of Famer, and you know. Eli Manning's going to be a hall of famer. He's got two Super Bowls and zero MVPs. But calling him baby goat while it is cute, it's it's just setting him up for failure. People will always look at that title and say, "Well, you know, he never lived up to the the Brady hype or whatever." Making the comparison like the player comp for Patrick Mahomes being the most successful quarterback of all time. I just hate that that's being put on him. And also, I understand it. I feel this way about other players. The league loves Mahomes. They want Mahomes to be a star because they know stars shine brightest and that brings people in. But for the people who feel like Mahomes is already shoved down their throat, for him to be on his second cover in like what three years? People are gonna people are gonna be agitated about that. I don't really care because you know it's our time to shine. As Chiefs fans, we've endured so long without a star quarterback that I don't really feel that bad on my end, but I do hate it for his brand, just because I feel like He's got a bunch even more expectations. He's being put on a cover with Tom Brady and people are going to get a little fatigue and that's, that's okay. I don't mind that they get fatigue, but ultimately I more than anything, why do they have to put more quarterbacks on it, man? Like if they're going to put a quarterback on it. Do Josh Allen. You know, he had a good season or do a defensive player. Who was the last defensive player on the Madden cover? Can, can you think of one?
1: Uh, Ray Lewis, maybe i think i think that, I think that it's was been, a, I think a while wasn't, back
0: wasn't stefan gilmore on a couple years ago I can't oh remember. yeah that's probably right that's yeah probably right. hold on let's look but i mean <laughs> either way like put tj on there like tj Watt's awesome they love you know okay richard sherman was the last one and that was Matt richard in sherman it's gone lamar jackson patrick mahomes Antonio brown tom brady rob gronkowski and obj you know like Yeah. Get some defensive players on there. There There's so many, you know, why isn't Aaron Donald's like the most dominant position player in the league? Like, why is he not on there? You know, he should completely, he's a 99 every year. He should completely be on it. Instead we got to do two players that have both been on it in the last five years.
1: Well, here's where our opinions sort of split apart here. It's an offensive minded game. I mean, you know, the, the term defense wins champ wins championships rings true with my father. Um, but but as a younger man, and you know, I look for excitement. I want I want the the best quarterback on the best team to be on the Madden cover. Um, and as far as branding goes, I love this for Mahomes' branding. Like Tom Brady, everyone has despised Tom Brady for I don't know the past ten years, probably longer. Um, and it's done wonders for his branding. I mean people have been calling him the goat for the past four or five years. I think part of that is because he's always he's always I I don't know. ESPN uh sports center everything they just they ram it down our throats every year about Tom Brady and I think it's about time they did the same thing with Mahomes.
0: Well, I don't I don't think we've got to worry about that. I think uh I think they'll take care of that for us with Mahomes. I just, you know, To wrap up this topic, I I, I agree with you that it is an offensive game and offensive stars matter. And football is one of the very few sports where players don't play both sides of the ball. So you don't really have to deal with that whenever it comes to baseball or any other sport. They can be a defensive and an offensive star simultaneously, while, you know, football doesn't exist like that. But I do, you know, I do think that putting Mahomes on that pedestal with Brady is a great idea. I think it's going to be awesome. I mean, I'm still going to buy the game and the cover, which I'm really just a clown for buying the game anyway, because they adjust one thing every season and then
1: don't correct glitches, but that's mm-hmm. topic for
0: another day. Um, so, well,
1: before, before we move on, I do no, want to touch yeah. on, on one more of your points there. Um, you talk about Mahomes not being able to live up to the goat or the, the legacy that Tom Brady has left. I assume you mean that in terms of championships? Well, I mean, here's the thing.
0: Part of, I think probably one of the most underrated elements of the Tom Brady run was not the the championships, but the sheer regular season dominance and the health. Tom Brady was incredibly healthy. You know, he had the ACL tear and I'm sure he had many nagging injuries that did, you know, hamper him from season to season but he's an incredibly healthy player because of the way he plays the game. I mean, and the way he takes care of his body. You know, I'm not sure whether we're talking Super Bowls, division championships, Pro Bowls, Pro All-Pro seasons, whatever. At this time, you know, I think I think the biggest thing to see from Mahomes going forward in the next 5 years is the ability for him to massage his game from being the guy that makes those plays Like we've seen him do time and time again, where he runs backwards and zigzags and spins around and throws the ball to a player who can make more plays in the pocket and then use his feet when necessary. More like Aaron Rodgers does. This is all just to say that, yes, I think it's a lofty expectation to say that Mahomes needs to at least win seven seven Super Bowls to enter the GOAT conversation or eight to top it. And I, I don't think that, you know, I think like, you know, you look at Peyton Manning's career widely regarded as one of the best quarterbacks ever, he has two Super Bowls, Um, you know, so I I see that, you know, I I would love to see people compare him to Breeze and Madden and, or not Madden, Manning or any of those guys. Those guys are all epically great quarterbacks and just not seven rings.
1: Okay, good. I I just thought it would be uh, appropriate for you to, to maybe clarify that because you know, we we have a lot of talk. We we we've been talking about uh the MJ and LeBron debate uh before we started recording. And uh he, MJ is regarded as the best player of all time, and and he doesn't have as many rings as Bill Russell, for instance. Yeah, so that, uh,
0: that's a good point, and that's a that's a good counter. And I also think that like one of the more underrated things is that like there's a decent chance that Andy Reid is not Patrick Mahomes' coach forever. Now, obviously. Tom Brady chose for Bill Belichick to stop being his coach, but for a large majority of his almost his whole career, he's going to have what is widely regarded as one of the greatest coaches of all time too. So that helps, you know, Andy Reed was walking around with a cane the other day at um, OTAs, you know, how long does Andy Reed have? Who knows what will come after him from Mahomes? homes? So I, there's just, you know, a lot of question marks going forward. Clearly we can't see into the future. I just, you know, Whenever your expectation is to be compared to the greatest of all time, you're likely going to be disappointed.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. For sure.
0: All right. Well, let's get into it. This is something that first off, this, this podcast is called Not Just Another Sports Podcast. The reason for that is, is because we will touch other topics that are not sports. I am not Clay Travis. I am not going to ram politicism down your throat in order to make you agree with me. And I'm also not pandering to a group of people for political gain. I'm not going to fire off takes to rile up a certain group of people. I'm expressing my opinions as an individual. Christian's going to do the same. But the fact that this is even political is a statement of where we are today. Let's talk about the impact of the vaccine that is having on sports today. We are seeing impact almost every single major sport. The one that I feel like I've heard the least about is basketball. The one I feel I've heard the most about is the NFL, no coincidence, and baseball. The COVID-19 vaccine is wildly available, readily available, and has been made available to all of these players in all of these sports. Yet there are many teams within these sports that are not meeting the threshold for their clubhouses, their locker rooms to be have enough players vaccinated that they can lift their protocols, wearing masks, etc. I think that this is a bigger story than people are making it out to be. We are all human. These teams, they are with each other every day. I think players are not telling the truth and being dishonest about one, the reason why they're not taking the vaccine, and two, how it impacts them in the locker room. People, you know, they, they, give you the, they give you the coach talk. They say, oh, you know, it's my teammates, their body, their choice. You know, we're just going to we're just focusing on the game. You're telling me that everyone having to wear tracker devices on them and wear mask and social distance and someone has to leave the room because we can't have this many people in the room and they got to go hop on Zoom in other rooms, not making someone mad because they won't go get one or two shots. Look, I'm not going to I'm not going to beat this into the ground. I am 100% for your right as an individual or the athlete's right to get the vaccine and to choose whether to get it. That is 100% their choice. But the other thing that I feel like they are being dishonest about is the reason why they're not getting the vaccine. Just say you don't want to get it. Just say that you don't trust it. Just say that you you don't think that it's safe. Stop pretending Anthony Rizzo or um, Montez Sweat. Stop pretending that there hasn't been enough information out there, because there has. There are ample amounts of information out there readily available to you as the player as to the impact of the vaccine. Look, man, just say you don't want to do it. We'll all move on and be better off for it. Because here's the thing, I I personally got the vaccine. I got the vaccine, one, because I'm young and healthy-ish, that I know that if something's wrong with it, my body can probably take it. Two, I look at it like I know I need to go do the work so we can go get back to life the way it needs to be. And Montez Sweat and Anthony Rizzo and player after player who said they're not gonna get the vaccine. If you're gonna choose to be that way, Josh Allen, be that way, but at least man up and say, I'm not gonna get it because I don't trust it. Look, these athletes, they take tremendous care of their bodies. They have been told to consult the team doctor anytime they take cough syrup. Because it could have something in it, they could be mistaken as performance enhancing. I understand the natural doubt of putting stuff into your body, but man, come on! Stop acting like this is some riddle, some mystery that no one knows anything about. Because this is impacting your team, and it's going to impact morale. You think, you think that other teams not having to wear masks or being in a stadium full of fans without masks, and you having to wear masks, isn't going to impact your team? And then don't even try the bull crap of, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm respecting my teammates and taking care of my teammates. If you respected the teammate, you would get the vaccine so that way you don't have to worry about transmitting it to them. I'm looking at an article on my screen right now from NBC that says over 90% of the people who are hospitalized with COVID-19 don't have a vaccine. There's, there's your information. There it is. And last thing I'm gonna say, and I'll turn it over to Christian because he will probably be less um, emotional about it, is to the guy who comments on a Twitter post and says, why are you asking them HIPAA information? You, it, it's their right to refuse. You're violating HIPAA. You're an idiot. You don't understand how HIPAA works. I am not disclosing what I do for a living here, but my career, I deal with HIPAA all the time. And that's not HIPAA. First off, Consent is the most powerful thing in everything. It matters a lot. For instance, if a police officer comes to my house and says, hey, I want to look in your house, and I tell him, no, he has to leave unless he has a search warrant signed by a judge. If a police officer comes to my house and says, hey, can I come in? I say, come on in, officer. They can search whatever they want to because consent matters. It matters in everything. You asking an individual, hey, have you been vaccinated and they say, I choose not to answer that question, that's their right. If they say yes or no, they are releasing that information to you. That is not HIPAA. It is not HIPAA for you to tell me, hey, um, I've got a broken arm, you wanna sign my cast? That's basically the same thing. HIPAA protects doctors' offices or health systems from releasing your private health information to people who are not authorized to do so. A good example of a HIPAA violation would be something like this. I'm an employer, uh, an employee comes in and tells HR, hey, I have this medical condition. And then I go and tell another employee about that employee's medical condition. Another example of HIPAA information. You're in a hospital and they have a waiting room board that has patient information on it. They have the name and then maybe your, um, your doctor. That's not HIPAA. Now, if that waiting board said chlamydia, it's the reason you're here. That's a HIPAA violation. It is not HIPAA to ask someone if they are vaccinated to disclose if you are vaccinated. It's not even HIPAA if you go to your job and they say, hey, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask and you don't wear a mask. That's not HIPAA. You are consenting to give that information up. So to the keyboard lawyers who think that asking Josh Allen if he's vaccinated or not is a HIPAA violation, I would recommend you go and reread those things. Okay. I've put away the soapbox. Christian, go for it.
1: All right. Uh, So I really, I really don't have a problem. I think, I think this should be a a common sense issue. I don't think anybody should be on the fence about this at all. Um, Even if you go the, you know, liberal route, I have the, I have the choice to, uh, I guess, liberal in the sense of, individual decision um I I really don't have a problem with some players wanting to wait until more data comes out I know there's a lot of data out there um but you know especially these these NFL players they're they're touted as these superstars and and people hang on their every words but you know they're you know they they're humans just like we are. You know, they're not research scientists. They're not in the lab every day. They're not statisticians that are working with, you know, the numbers of of COVID patients and and uh, vaccines given and administered, uh, and the adverse side effects related to those, um, the outliers that there are in that. Um, I, I don't have a problem with them wanting to wait, but they're they're in a they're in such a unique not necessarily unique, but I mean, they're in this position where they're, you know, they're going to be meeting thousands of different people every week. I mean, you, they're jeopardizing uh, their teammates safety. Not only that you're going in and out of hotels. Football is not necessarily just on the field. Neither is the basketball, the MLB, you know, there's all these players have a life outside of, of the game. And they're coming into contact with people every day. Uh <clears throat> And I don't think it would be inappropriate for these major sports organizations to require a mandate. Even Um, employers can. I'm in the regular world. uh, Employers can mandate that their employees are vaccinated. That happens with everything. You you can't get a job unless you've been, uh, you know, had the vaccine for for multiple different diseases. Um. But but let's just not my main point here is that I don't think we should be raising uh, the bar or, or, you know, Josh Allen didn't get the vaccine, so I'm not going to get the vaccine or Montez Sweat says he's waiting for more information. Well, I'm going to wait for more information. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And, and
0: one thing that I think I'm really happy about this and, you know, these players, they're amazing. They're amazing athletes. They do incredible things with their body. They're incredibly dedicated to their craft. But I always think it's a really good reminder to see these athletes handle something like this. It's just a nice reminder that these guys, most of them are 20s, early 30s, which for most of us is still pretty young in life. They are men or women who have been given opportunities since probably they were about a junior in high school When they found out that they were probably going to be a division one athlete. Look, we can get into the pain division one athletes another day, but being a division one athlete is a pretty good gig. And then they get into the professional sports and even some of the lowest level draft picks in these sports are still making better money than most Americans make in their career. They have had, for lack of a better term, a silver spoon in their life. Now, that's not to say all players have. Frank Clark was homeless at one point in his life. At this point, he's doing well, though. These guys are amazing athletes. They are amazing people, and we cheer them on, and we get excited for them. And they're our guys, and he's our quarterback, and that's my shortstop. But at the end of the day, they're still a 23-year-old with millions of dollars who does whatever the heck he wants. And then honestly, if you probably hung out with half of the athletes who idolize, you might not actually like them as people. That's okay, it's okay. And I'm glad in some instances that we see that some of these athletes are kind of, um, I don't know, not the brightest crown in the box. And that's okay. And you know what, if you, as, as a listener of this podcast don't wanna get the vaccine, that's okay. Because you know what? you probably do a job that you're, you don't, it doesn't really matter if you get sick with COVID, you're probably not gonna die. You're gonna get sick and then you'll come back and not be able to taste for a couple of months and it'll be fine. But the point is, is that if there is any sort of competitive edge in a sport, these athletes do it. Baseball, they're dealing with steroids 2.0 with the, with the spider tag, the thing that the pitchers are putting on their gloves that are helping them pitch players are notorious for that any competitive edge but you're going to tell me that if in week nine the patriots lose a division game to the bills because half of their roster has to be in covid quarantine like the ravens were that that's not a competitive advantage stop looking at the vaccine like a political statement and start looking at it like a competitive advantage you're not going to, you're much less likely to catch COVID, which means you're much likely, much less likely to test positive, which means you're more likely to be on the field. And I just, it just, it blows my mind that with all the information out there, that it's even a discussion and that they're especially baseball teams that aren't even going to meet the threshold.
1: Yeah, I'm. <sighs> And it's such a shame that it's it's become a political statement. I you, I'm I'm hanging on that from what you just said. It's that pol- it, this should not be a political statement. This is this is so far from that. It, it is a medical decision at you know at at its most. It's it's a personal medical decision that affects the people around you. And and we don't need to be focusing on, oh well, I voted here, so I have to do this or or you know, I don't want people to think that I believe this because I'm not doing this. It's, it's all a tangled mess that, you know, I'm sure we could talk about for another 45 minutes.
0: (laughs) Last thing I'm going to say, and then then we can move on to something more sportsy. They're going back to the, there's not enough information, right? So one of the, I don't have a lot of vices in life, but I am an energy drink drinker. Um, They're delicious. I love them. And um, honestly, I drink way too much caffeine, but no one has ever given me a clinical breakdown of monster energy drink in the long-term effects it has on my health five, 10, 15, or 20 years down the road. And yet probably five to six times a week, I fire up one of those puppies at some point during the day. P.S. If you're going to get monsters, just go to Costco or Sam's and buy the case of like 30 don't nickel and dime a quick trip. But side, anyways, No one's ever told me that, and I still put it in my body much, much more than a little vial of vaccine. I'm not sure why all of a sudden you are horrified of this mRNA vaccine so much more than the things that you constantly put in your body every single day. Look, we're not telling you as a podcast you have to go get vaccinated. All we're telling you is that the information is there, and it is resounding the results there are people in, again, guys, read the story, not the headline. Someone tweeted a headline at me yesterday that there is a new heart condition being associated with people who have been vaccinated. That was the headline. So I read this and go, oh gosh, am I gonna get a heart condition? Turns out men who are in their early 20s, 200 of them have developed a heart condition that was treated on site by the hospital They were released, and 99% of them saw a full recovery with zero side effects. That is not what the headline led you to believe. Now, I'm not getting into fake news, real news, all that jazz. All I'm telling you is there's lots of data that supports that the vaccine is a smart thing to get. Be smart. Do the right things. Take care of your family. If you're sick, stay home. And just read the story. Don't just read the headline. All right. Let's move on to something a little less heavy. The NFC West, is it the best division in football and who's going to win it, Christian?
1: You know, that's that's a hard thing to say. I, I really like the NFC West this year. It's going to be an incredible battle to see who wins. Um, and they, I mean, all things considered, they are, they are one of the premier divisions in football. Um, I, I've checked the uh, Vegas... Betting odds and the Rams are the favorite at 175 plus 175, followed by the the 49ers, then the Seahawks, and the Cardinals last. Um, But for me, at least, this boils down to who has a good quarterback, and the Seahawks have the best quarterback in the division. So that that's who I'm picking. What about you? See,
0: I I was I'm actually going to agree with you there. I was thinking when you were reading this off that the wrong team is favored here's why so i think that there is a lot of rams love and i think a lot of that goes to matt stafford at this point matt stafford is like that girl in a relationship with a bad guy you see the guy being a bad dude you think he's a piece of trash he's rude he's hateful he takes advantage of her yada 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 so the poor girl's never done anything wrong but underneath the covers you might realize that there's you know this girl might not actually be perfect that she might actually do some things that make this relationship toxic. Now that's all coming back to say, Matt Stafford is kind of that girl at this point. We all saw how dysfunctional the Lions were for generations and decades. And we just assume that Matt Stafford is a victim of the situation and that he is not a symptom of the disease. Matt Stafford is not perfect. Now, is he an upgrade over Jared Goff? Mm, Slightly. I don't think that he's a huge, huge upgrade. Now you could argue, look, the Rams have been a quality team for the past three years with McVay. They don't need a huge upgrade. They just need slightly better and someone who can go and make the big play once in a while, because that is where Jared Goff struggles outside of context. When things break down, he can't make that Mahomes-like play. And maybe Matt Stafford can make that one or two plays a game that puts them over the top. I can, I can understand that. But I agree with you that the Seahawks are the team that I believe should be favored in this division. They added a lot of really nice kind of low-key additions to the season. They went and got a new offensive coordinator. They added Shane Waldron, who is more pass-centric, but also utilizes that play-action better. I think that they were very, very run-heavy in the past couple of years. Now, here's the thing. We've seen that Russell Wilson struggles when they just drop back and throw the ball all the time. But I think that Waldron's going to bring some more creativity to the offense, utilize play action, utilize motion more. Um, one of my favorite signs, they added Gerald Everett, which the tight end search in, um, in Seattle has been never ending. They've tried all sorts of things. They, you know, they went and got the ghost of Greg Olson and then they went and got the carcass of Jimmy Graham. And I think Everett's a good addition. Metcalf is obviously still good. Tyler Lockett is one of the best two, you know, second or third wide receivers in the NFL. That's a good offense. And the defense we know can be coached up. I still unequivocally hate the Jamal Adams trade. Probably one of the worst trades we will see in the National Football League here in the past couple of years. But I agree with you that the Rams should be favored. Now, let me ask you this. Or sorry, I agree with you that the Seahawks should be favored. Who is the next best team in that division? Is it the Rams, is it the Cardinals, or the 49ers? I,
1: I think that really depends on how well Matt Stafford does in the Rams offense. I mean, to me, <laughs> Matt Stafford, the trade Matt Stafford for Jared Goff was like pushing your, all of your chips to casino and uh, into the middle of the table, Stay, I'm all in. This is, uh, this is a trade. It's either going to have huge upside. Hey, I'm going to double my money. We're going to go to the Super Bowl again. It'll be great, or Matt Stafford is going to start turning the ball over. He's not going to click in the offense, and oh, I just lost all my money. I I mean that's that's really what it boils down to for the for the Rams. I really really like the Cardinals. I think they've done, I think they have executed some exemplary moves. Not only in this offseason, but the past one. We don't even have to talk about the DeAndre Hopkins fleece and how they got him for basically nothing. But, uh, I mean, I, I really like the Cardinals for, for the second in the division. Maybe a wild card spot as well.
0: And see, I think, I think you're being pretty bold there. Here's why. One of my favorite bets of the offseason every year is the first coach to be fired. Currently, the odds on favorite to be fired first is the Dallas coach, whose name is escaping me for a second. He used to be in Green Bay. Oh, we'll probably. Can you cut this? Are you able to cut
1: that? Yeah, I can do that. Okay, hold on. Just uh, <sighs> give it. Oh, you're good, dude. We'll just give it like a little bit of silence, wait maybe five or 10 seconds, and, and yeah. then go back in. Because of how the uh, the editing software works, it, it looks at the spikes in the audio. Sure. So if there's a long cut, I'll be able to know.
0: So, okay. so I your Cardinals take is pretty bold, honestly. And here's, here's the reason why. One of my favorite bets every year to look at is the odds on favorite to be the first head coach fired. Currently right now, it is Mike McCarthy, which... I think is completely wrong. I truthfully think that the odds on favorite, the coach that I could see getting fired first is Cliff Kingsbury. Here's why. Cliff, not a good tactician. If you've watched a Cardinals game, whether they're in primetime or not, Cliff struggles with in-game decisions. He's one of the worst about deciding on when to go for it on fourth down. He makes wonky decisions as far as catching up to points. The offense, while is good, it does not utilize versatility very often deandre hopkins lined up in the slot like three times last year he was in the same place all the time he's your best weapon go and move him they are more run heavy than they should be and i mean honestly we don't need to get into the cliff kingsbury thing too much but he frankly didn't really deserve a head coaching position whenever he got it he's got a great jawline i agree He is very handsome but not particularly great as a head coach I frankly could see the Cardinals bottoming now. I don't see them going like four and tw- or four and 13 or something like that, doing awful, but I definitely see them as more likely to be last than more likely to be second. I think that the defense, while it does, you know, they added JJ Watt, they added, they drafted another linebacker. I think that their players will, can, you know, they have pieces on that defense that will improve, but I can completely see you know, if Kyler Murphy doesn't take the next step the offense is not going the way that it's expected to, that in the middle of the season, they move on from him because he's just disappointed. You know, Isaiah Simmons, he was taken to be this ultra hybrid linebacker and he's kind of struggled to show it so far. So for me, the second best team in the division is the Rams. I almost want to put the 49ers here. I just can't quite yet because so much of the 49ers projection is based off of what you think that Trey Lance is going to be. While I think that Trey Lance could be great and especially adding the mobility that he has, he was the quarterback. I was the most skeptical of in the draft. There's at least a body of work for him. He's played like 20 snaps his whole college career when he wasn't leading. And that does matter. So for me, it's gotta be the Rams. Um, I think the biggest question with the Rams is going to be, how that defense does defense is one of the most volatile things in the NFL. It almost never happens that the best defense in one season is the best defense of next season. A couple of years ago it was the bears. Then it was the Steelers and then it was the Rams last year. That defense is going to regress. It is just, it is going to happen. So if that defense isn't as great, that offense needs to be better. And then um, I guess it comes down to the Cardinals or 49ers? Where are you at Christian? Who's third?
1: See, I would, I would put the Rams third and then the 49ers last. And And the only reason I would say that um, is because Trey Lance has had no experience. Like you, you the quarterback room is up in the air. How long will Jimmy G start? Will this be an Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes situation? Um, is uh, Trey Lance gonna explode in training camp and take the starting job by week one I mean really it's kind of up in the air where everything's gonna land and I think that this team with Jimmy Garoppolo back because I don't think uh, I don't think Trey Lance will win the starting spot this year um, I, I don't see them going very far especially with their injury history
0: yeah and um, you know I, I think that one thing, pet peeve. Every time a team has a quarterback and then drafts another quarterback, does not need to be Alex Smith, Patrick Holmes. Jimmy G is not Alex Smith. He's not accomplished quite as much as Alex Smith has in his career, even though he has been to a Super Bowl. But that's another story. Technically, Alex Smith has been to a Super Bowl, too. He was just on the sidelines. But, um, you know, for me, I think I'm going to have to go 49ers third, I think that um, Kyle Shanahan is an amazing offensive mind. He gets so much out of his players. I think that Trey Lance could be extremely mediocre and he still get a lot out of them. The 49ers are a boom or bust team. I could completely see them running with Jimmy G for the first couple of uh, games, you know, kind of pedaling along around 500. And then they insert Lance after a buy and add a whole new wrinkle to their offense. The defense stays healthy, gets better, you know. And I could see that team really taking off. Ayuk and um, Debo Samuel are great wide receivers. We know Kittle is the second best tight end in the NFL. And Kyle Shanahan could put me and you in at running back, and we'd at least average three yards a carry. He is a great offensive mind. And I could see Lance coming in and kind of taking the league by storm. That is something that I could completely see similar to what Lamar Jackson did whenever he took over the starting job. He took him into the playoffs. He ultimately lost to San Diego. Well, I think they were LA by then to the Chargers at that point. But you know, the, for me, it is 49ers, then Cardinals. I know I kind of just explained the Cliff Kingsbury hate, but also this is not Hate. The Cardinals could very well be a nine and 10 or a 10 and 19, or what what would that be? 10 and six. So 10 and seven. Maybe a 10 and seven team, 11 and six. I could see that, and they still finish fourth. It's probably not likely because all these teams will beat up on each other. But for the most part, I think I view it as Seahawks, Rams, 49ers, Cardinals.
1: See, and, and what's crazy about this division is that you could see any one of these teams winning the weeks that they play against each other. The interdivision uh, competition is always amazing in the NFL. You, you, there are always upsets every week with that type of stuff, but, but especially in this division, I could see the Cardinals beating the Seahawks. I could see the Seahawks beating the 49ers. I, they're, they're just all so close, especially with that interdivisional competition.
0: Sure, sure, and I mean this could also be just a bloodbath, and all the teams are kind of right around the same area because they kind of just tick each other one, you know, win loss win loss loss loss, kind of beat up on each other. Um, let's hit a little NBA topic. Um, there was a rumor today about Luka Doncic possibly not being loyal to the Mavs long term. Um, I I personally love the way that the NBA structures the Supermax so that teams have a better chance of keeping their superstars than baseball um, but how loyal should NBA superstars be to their franchises is it more about who made you into the superstar you are today is it about the situation that helps you the most or is it where it gives you the best chance to win a ring Christian what do you think
1: so the NBA has for the longest time been an individual sport in a in, of course, all sports are teams oriented sports, but the NBA in general, superstars run the league. Uh, LeBron, anywhere he goes, they're going to go to a championship like that. That's just the way that it is. Um, and you see stars with with all of the power and all of them and mostly the power to be mobile. Um, you saw Anthony Davis get traded because he wanted to trade, not because the Pelicans wanted to trade him. Um, you see Kawhi and Paul George or not Kawhi, but Paul George being traded, uh, from OKC to the Clippers. That was a hundred percent Paul George's decision. Um, and, and you say the supermax is structured to keep players, uh, with the team, but with this Luka Don- Doncic, I can't even say his last name with the oh, Luka, uh, <laughs> With the uh, with the Luca drama that's been happening now, he could very well sign the Supermax and then force his way out of Dallas. Um, which, honestly, if we're talking all things considered, might be the best thing for his legacy. Kristaps Porzingis was non-existent this postseason. He might as well—he's I mean, seven foot for what? You know, barely put up ten points a game.
0: Right, and. I really like the point that you made player mobility should be a reason why players are more willing to sign their super max. And we're talking about those types of players, the super max, they should sign their first deal with the team that drafted them. The reason being they have, you know, I'm not sure that we can count on every player being as healthy for as long as like LeBron has. So using him as the example, is not great, but you give your team a window to build a team around you to be great. That way you have the legacy, right? If Lucas stays in Dallas, they build a team around him, and he takes them to the championship, his story is going to be stronger than it ever will, would have been if he leaves the team and joins some super team. But we also know that these deals are structured with tons of opt-outs, and a team can, you know, James Harden basically ate his way to a trade. You can force a trade whenever you're ready to get out at this point. If you, if they have proven, you know, going back to like the Detroit lions, if a team has proven they can't build around you, get out when you can, and then you can go do the the super team thing. You know, I, I completely agree with that. I think that's a really level-headed take, especially considering that if a team is building around you and drafts a superstar, the chances are pretty good that they're going to be bad for a while, right? It's very rare that one team just pops up and has a super high draft pick and then just all of a sudden goes back to winning ways. You know, that only happens if you have a weird season like the Warriors had where they had three stars get injured in one, one season. Um, but I agree, you know, Luca, Giannis just re-signed with um, Milwaukee, Uh He's, you know, Luke is kind of the next one. Devin Booker will be up soon for that Supermax as well. Um, but I completely agree. And it's strong for their brand as well.
1: See, ex- exactly. And I know we, there's a guy I really, really like. Uh, Dame Willard is it, kind of in the same situation. He signed a Supermax a while back. So, you know, I, I think he's up for a deal in two years, I believe, is, is when his next deal is, is ready. And he's, um, and
0: he's a perfect example of the guy who has <clears throat> given his team plenty of times. He's proven he's the guy. He needs to go join some super team and go get his.
1: Exactly. And you talked about it affecting legacy, joining a super team. I really don't think so. Uh, we we never, I mean, unless you're bringing up the LeBron-MJ debate, uh, LeBron to Miami. I don't think anybody hates LeBron going to Miami. and And all things considered, I don't think. Dame is the is the same player as LeBron or is that dominant as LeBron was when he left Cleveland but what else can he do he he's done nothing but but be the best player on the court for most of the series he's been in and they can't get him a reliable number two same with Luca. I mean granted he's a he's a lot younger than LeBron was whenever he uh he left Cleveland um but what, what nobody wants to go to Dallas. He, he, I think he has to leave if he wants to get a chip.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's probably true. Now, I, like I said, I, I feel like if you are a player who is like trying to get your way out of town as soon as you are up for your deal, I, I'm not sure that that's ever going to be a good, a good scene for you. Um, you know, A.D., was almost like that with him getting out of uh, New Orleans. But ultimately, I think, like you said, player mobility is a reason to stay. Um, I want, You actually kind of brought it up. Let's get into our last thing for today. We've noticed that we're a little long-winded. So this, today we're going to wrap up with a little game called this or that. It's really simple. It's an either or question. There's no kind of in between or maybe. It's either or. You're going to say your choice and give like 10 seconds about why. And that's all right. So Christian, I'll ask you and then um, I'll explain my answers. You give your answer first and I'll give mine. Okay. so you just brought it up. So let's hear it. We'll start off with the 1130 p.m. in the middle of June sports talk topic of LeBron or MJ. I
1: think LeBron. It's not because I'm young. I think he's a higher, I think he's more efficient. He's had a higher two point and three point percentage over his entire career. He's been more durable. He's been to more finals. He averages more rebounds and assists and people forget about this. When he was in Miami, he was a lockdown defender. So I, I believe that he could have, if he would focus on his game more, uh, I believe he could have eclipsed Jordan in his defensive abilities as well. Now, you the board or LeBron or MJ? Who are you taking?
0: This one is tough. I think LeBron is the better player, but I think MJ is the better legacy, the better story, the better player. So I'm going Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, he is the rep the identity, the exact thing that you want in an NBA player. He defined, he lifted a city that has been trash at basketball ever since he left. He did it time and time again. He left the sport of basketball. He came back the level of physicalness that he had to play with. He, there was time and time again that he was just destroyed in games. He did. He was a leader. He, you know, went through a lot of things in his personal life as he played. And at this point, the LeBron or MJ conversation, I think that you've got to go with MJ for me. All right, next one. Less, less heavy. Waffles or pancakes? What is the superior syrup bread for breakfast?
1: I don't think this is even close. Uh, waffles, by far. It's, they stay crispier for longer. Um, there's a better syrup to batter ratio, if that makes any sense. And uh, it goes well with everything that pancakes go well with. It's also good with chicken tenders. Like, how how can you go wrong as far as breakfast foods go? What about you? The chicken and waffles are waffles.
0: The chicken or waffles is (laughs) interesting. Chicken and waffles, I've never actually partaken in that particular activity. Here's my thing Have you ever tried to putter, put butter on a waffle? It's miserable. Pancakes are where it's at. Pancakes are the improved version of the waffle. Also, pancakes, there's a lot more stuff you can do with them. You never really heard hear anyone talking about a blueberry or a strawberry waffle, but blueberry pancakes, chocolate chip pancakes. You go to IHOP, they have like red velvet pancakes. You can spread butter easily. Pancakes are the supreme syrup-based breakfast item. All right, moving on. Coke or Pepsi products?
1: Got to go with Pepsi. Uh, My father drinks it every day. So, uh, you know, I have to represent the the family brand. Uh, They've got Mountain Dew, Gatorade, always forgotten about brisk and sierra mist which is better than sprite so strong strong i'm
0: gonna agree with you pepsi products first off um this isn't don't don't get your feelings hurt look i love mountain dew mountain dew makes me feel like the beautiful white trash that i deeply am inside and the first sip of mountain dew from the fountain at qt makes my eyes water to this day pepsi products are definitely far superior I I honestly cannot just drink a Coke, like a can of Coke. It is just too sweet. Um, I agree. Pepsi products, you love it. They're the best. All right. This, I love this one. All right. So you have a choice. Keep Eric Fisher healthy in the 2020 season, the one that she's just completed, or line D Ford's up on sides in 2019. Which, Which one are you taking?
1: See, I think one of these guarantees us. A championship, and the other one just gives us a better chance at winning one. I think D Ford uh, being not offsides is, is the way you should go. I mean that Rams team. I don't think I know our defense wasn't very good that year, but I think it could have even stopped the Rams' offense in that uh, in that Super Bowl. They were abysmal, and they I think they scored three points in the entire Super Bowl. Um, I think we come in there and we light up that defense and put 40 on them. Uh,
0: you know, I think, I think you're right. As much as I would love to say, keep Fisher healthy to beat Tom Brady and kind of, you know, in that goat discussion. Um, if D Ford is on sides, the chiefs are the Rams offense was non-existent at that point, And it wasn't just the Patriots defense. So I'm going to go D Ford lines up on sides Next, you can add one player to the chief. You can add the you can add Aaron Donald to the Chiefs, or Mike Trout on the Royals.
1: Who are you taking? Well, we are Arrowhead. We are sponsored by Arrowhead Live, um, so I'm gonna have to stick with uh, AD on the Chiefs. Look, one of the biggest things that we didn't have last year was a uh, a comparable pass rush to some of the teams that we faced. Aaron Donald comes in and solves that problem. Aaron Donald, you you cannot double team Aaron Donald and Chris Jones and expect not to get flattened on the outside. You, you line them both up on the same side because Chris Jones can play defensive end as well. And uh, I don't know, I'd, I'd hate to be the fullback or running back that has to come over and help pass protect because you're getting thrown in the dirt about as fast as the ball is snapped. What about you?
0: Mike Trout on the Royals. While Aaron Donald is an incredible talent, the level of impact he has on a game can still be very little. Mike Trout plays fantastic defense. He truly might be one of the top three players to ever play the sport of baseball when it's all said and done. Put him in center field in Kaufman. He is a stalwart of the lineup for the next... 10 years or whatever baseball players have more longevity you know by the end he's probably DHing, will still be an incredible hitter and would give the royals an offensive bat that they need 100% taking Mike Trout
1: all right so uh going along the baseball lines I'll do this next one um I feel like I know what your answer is but I'll ask it anyway NBA versus MLB playoffs which one do you like better
0: this one's a little bit more tricky than I thought. It's got to be NBA for me. Here's the reason why. The NBA playoffs, I will t- I will tune into any matchup to watch it, even if it's the lower seeds. And the games are just more compelling. The MLB playoffs, they are so good when it's in October. But man, I tell you what, those games are brutal to watch sometimes. Them going and getting pitchers out of the bullpen constantly, back and forth, and... Uh, it it's hard to watch sometimes and them stepping out of the bat the batter's box so much and big moments uh uh, October baseball game can take you three and a half hours it really can you're better off watching college football at that point NBA playoffs Christian
1: NBA playoffs the the drama there there are always excuse me four or five different storylines going on between each uh in between each series. I mean, look at it this year, James Harden is out with the hamstring. Oh, what will the nets do? Oh, now Kyrie is out with an ankle injury. What will the nets do? Uh, Giannis. Oh, he's not, he's not a postseason player. Oh, but he just went for 34 um, against the nets. I mean, I mean, they're, they're always just, there's so much one game can turn the tide. You can feel the momentum shifting. Um, and and part of that is probably because it's uh it, it's a quicker game. Um, basketball is. So I, I have to go NBA playoffs.
0: Agreed. Agreed.
1: All right. Last
0: one. Where would you rather attend a game? Kaufman
1: or Arrowhead? So this one was very tough for me. I have been to a lot of games in both of those stadiums. I was in the, I was there when Tom Brady went down the D four offside penalty. I was in the stadium when that happened. I I was in the stadium um, for the Texans comeback uh, two years ago. Um, And and you can feel there's that energy in the stadium when the tide starts to change either way. I mean, when, when Tom Brady's moving down the field and, and uh, you can just kind of feel everybody start to get a little quieter and a little quieter and, on the opposite end when, when you're down 24 and Mahomes goes over to Ty or, uh, to Travis Kelsey and says, all right, you ready to watch something's about to happen. You can feel it. So, all right, we're up. We, we got seven. Oh, we're up 14. I like just keeps going, keeps building, but, but Kaufman has a special place in my heart as a young kid. Um, well, a younger kid, not, not really that young, but, uh, I was there when Eric Hosmer hit a grand slam to win the game. I can't remember exactly what season that was, but, but the electricity when that happens, I mean, all you need is that in a stadium ballpark hot dog. You're good to go, man. That, that's an afternoon for me. What about you?
0: You know, I'm going to have to say, Kaufman, here's the reason why. Arrowhead, you've got to go every once in a while to see the speed of the game, to hear them yell Chiefs of, uh, during the national anthem. But pretty much after those things, to me, Arrowhead is just not a very fun experience. It's usually cold. People are screaming and yelling. Everyone is angry drunk. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's a hard game to watch in the stands, whereas baseball, I feel like, is a much more easy game to watch in the stands. I don't feel upset if I get up to go get another drink or to go get more food during a baseball game because I know it's a slow-moving game. I can basically catch up on what's happened and also you you know you're going to pay so much to go to a game for the Chiefs even if they're losing you feel almost obligated to stay whereas if the Royals are down 7-1 in the sixth and um, I'm tired or we've got other plans the next day I don't feel so bad leaving so as a selfish fan Kaufman is the better experience
1: All right. All right. I think that uh, I, think I think that that about you, takes us out for the Yeah, for the I day. think that that
0: wraps us up. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, if you guys have any comments or questions or anything like that that you would like to see us add to the podcast, let us know. Obviously, this is a fan-driven industry and a fan-driven podcast. Um, you can follow me at Price A. Carter on Twitter. Uh, this week, I'm going to have a story going up. Last week, I wrote about the three most underrated Chiefs on the roster headed into 2021 this week i'm going to be writing about the three most overrated so make sure you comment angrily on that post like everyone will christian how about you uh
1: you can follow me on twitter uh c underscore breezy edits i do um different graphic design stuff Uh, i've done a couple of different pieces for individuals so if you'd like some custom artwork or uh, a phone background computer background anything just hit me up on there
0: Awesome. Well, guys, be well, make good choices, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for stopping by. See you guys.